As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so Matt, what do you call a frog that's hanging from your ceiling? Hmm. A frog hanging from the ceiling. I don't know. Mistletoad. <laughs> See, I wouldn't have got that. <laughs> no, but it's December. I had to throw something in there. <laughs> don't expect Christmas jokes every every episode this month, though. <laughs> good evening everybody and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I'm doing good. Good deal. I'm doing good. Good deal. Yeah, it's uh, it's finally December, dude. It's. I know it's hard to believe the 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 year has like I blinked and it's already the holidays and. I mean, it's crazy. I know this year has gone by just so fast. I, yeah, it seemed I, like 2020 drug on forever, yeah. <laughs> and 2021 is like whoop, yeah. done. And well, it because last year took so long. This year is just going. I'm just gonna get on out of here early. That's right. Um, I had a late night last night. Do you, you mind if I kick out of here, clock out early? So, um. But we want to say real quick, um, go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find some other shows to listen to that you may not find elsewhere. And we're proud to be members of the Podbelly Network. So go over there and check them out, podbelly.com. We also want to thank tonight's sponsors, Talkspace, Magic Spoon, and Best Fiends. And we'll talk a little bit more about them shortly. Um, So if you're listening to this episode on the day that it drops on friday the third then tomorrow is the last day that we're taking emails or whatever for the holiday episode so we've got a ton of them already thank you to everybody who sent them in and don't worry if you don't get them in this year if you haven't sent one in and you can't get it to us by tomorrow that's fine save it we're gonna do this again next year too 
Um, we're not going anywhere. You're stuck with us for a while. Like I said last episode, there is no warranty on Graveyard Tales, so you can't return us. <laughs> That's right. Um, so you're stuck with us for a while. So we will do it again. Just save it and send it in to us next year for next year's holiday episode. But uh, while you're on the Internet emailing stuff to us or, or checking out our website, hop on over to patreon.com slash Graveyard Tales, and you can become a member of our patronage circle here become become a patron and you can get bonus episodes from us uh, we're recording another one tonight we try to get one bonus episode at least up per week plus if you sign up for our ten dollar a month level then you get the video versions of the shows that we're recording and putting out every friday so we don't edit as much out of those videos. You get to see us mess up, and you get to see mm-hmm. us record the episode. So if that sounds cool to you, then go over there and do that. And we also give videos for our bonus Patreon episodes as well. Yeah, and you know, with it, the holidays coming up, if, if you've got a member of the graveyard in your family or your circle of friends, this is a great gift. That it is, um, yeah. You know, give them the opportunity to to watch us two clowns uh, record this show, mm-hmm. um, and it, it is it's a lot of fun. You know, we, we we do cut up, we do we do some things that maybe we pull from the show before it goes out. Um, so yeah, you, like I said, you get to see us screw up, you get to see how the sausage is made. So right, uh, so give it a shot if you haven't, and then get some bonus episodes that don't really always go along with what we do here on our main episodes um we recorded several little guess that phrase game um that we did we we've done funny stuff we've done weird stuff and then we've also done continuations of main episodes so it's a mixed bag there but we'll give you an extra episode a week so go over there check it out patreon.com slash graveyard tales Okay, we, we want to take a minute and talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Talkspace. Now, meeting with a therapist, uh, talking about your mental health, that there's still kind of a a, a stigma about it. Sure, People are, yeah. are, are nervous and they, you know, they don't want to go and it's like I'm going to the doctor and you, you get all and up. It shouldn't be that way. Right. Okay. You should think of meeting with a therapist to work on your mental health is the same as meeting with a personal trainer to work on your physical health. So how do you how do you do that? How do you get people to ditch that stigma and take care of their mental health just like they do their physical health? Well, Talkspace makes it possible to speak with a licensed therapist right from your phone, tablet, or computer. So there's no sitting in a waiting room. There's no making appointments um, that, you know, you, you might have to cancel or change. It works with you on your schedule, and you're getting the mental, mental health help that you need. And unlike traditional therapy, you can message your therapist anytime via text video or voice and it's 100 percent secure and stigma free which is the way therapy should be that's right and 
I, I'm I'm so happy that we're partnering with Talkspace here to do this because there there's so many people around this time of year that start feeling depressed and down and you know you're either missing loved ones that can't make it um, for one reason or another or loved ones that have passed or I, I know for myself in the past it's been depression over I can't get all these people everything they want for Christmas and and then it it upsets me and I get all depressed and everything and it's great to have a therapist that you can talk to about these things to make your holidays a little happier more joyous and bright and you're not going to do that on your own you need somebody to talk it out with and at Talkspace like Matt was saying your privacy and security are their number one priority the app that you use puts you in a private room with just you and your therapist, and you can send messages 24-7 and get replies throughout the day. There's no need to wait for a weekly appointment, which is amazing. You don't have to clear your schedule and go somewhere and sit in a waiting room and all that. You can do it sitting in your truck at a gas station parking lot or at your house whenever you want to do it. And Talkspace's encryption and added security features keep your conversation fully protected. And like we were saying, whether you struggle with anxiety, depression, self-doubt, or anything else, Talkspace gives you access to the help that you need to move forward. And like they say, facing all those obstacles isn't easy, and you don't win a prize for doing it alone. So why not get some help to get through it? Yeah, I... Getting professional help isn't weird or weak because, yeah, you may have a buddy that knows something about plumbing, but are you going to come in and let him rework your entire plumbing in your house? Probably not. Well, see, what you need to do, Matt, is you need to get like a mental (laughs) roto-rooter and just shove it in one ear and clean out all them bad thoughts, and then you'll be much better off. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Plumbing analogy, best I had. Sorry. So join Talkspace today and start moving forward with a single message. Just visit Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use our promo code GRAVE, that's G-R-A-V-E, at sign up. That's right. Join Talkspace today and start moving forward with just a single message. Visit Talkspace.com, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E.com and get $100 off your first month when you use our promo code GRAVE, G-R-A-V-E, at sign up. So Matt, before I get 15 more emails and posts about how long we talk in the beginning of the show it's been eight minutes and you still have well skip ahead dang it i'm talking (laughs) calm down tell us (laughs) what are we talking about tonight brother okay so tonight um we're gonna look at another uh cryptid uh from the united states and and this one you know, I have heard this one so many times, yeah, but have never really looked into it. Um, it's the Ozark Howler. 
and I think, you know, if you're into this, if you're listening to this show, you've heard of the Ozark Howler. I'm yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, that name coming up, you, you hear it not not as often as, as Bigfoot or, or something, but it, it's up there in the mix of one of the more well-known cryptids. So we're going to kind of look into it. Um, we've got several, several sightings to go over. Um, you know, a few theories as to what might be going on, what it, what it is or what it is not. Um, and a little bit of the history behind uh, where the where the legends may have started because it's not exactly clear um but it it there is evidence that the stories and the sightings date back a lot further than we may have first yeah they're they're old man that's the that's the thing about it is it's not a new cryptid like the last few that we've done the last few we've done with the the walking pants and stuff like that that's newer these are old yeah old sightings um and an old area for right for these sightings to take place in so as we always say go check our sources you can find all the sources that we've used for this episode and you can continue the research if you'd like to. And, you know, we like to give credit to those researchers who have done this and done the legwork. So go down there and check it out and you can find the original documentation and we'll try to do it justice, but go check our sources uh, bottom of the show notes. So let's look quickly at a, uh, uh, generalization of what the ozark howler is and it's also known as the ozark black howler the hoo-hoo which sounds weird then hey <laughs> do you see that hoo-hoo out in the woods stop looking at people's hoo-hoos i don't care if they're in the woods or not i saw it almost stepped in it. <laughs> yeah right i <laughs> left a big old pile of hoo-hoo out there in the woods man got it all over my boots um, it's also called the Nightshade Bear uh, and the Devil Cat, and it's a legendary creature that is purported to live in remote areas in Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, and other areas where the Ozark Mountains are. Um, it's typically described as being bear-sized with a thick body, stocky legs, black shaggy hair, glowing red eyes, and horns, very big, prominent horns. So that's weird. That's yeah. like other cryptids we've had that are cats or like big dogs. They don't have horns. Yeah, it's not It's not a feature we typically see on canine or feline cryptids. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and we're not talking about like bicycle horns that go honka honka. We're talking about actual like bull horns. But that would be awesome. Wouldn't it? You just It'd hear be a lot easier to find. <laughs> You're walking through the woods and you hear hugga hugga. Hugga hugga. Hugga hugga. Where is it? <laughs> the There's either a clown or the sound. Ozark howler out here. I don't know. Can you imagine that old legend? You know, it's like in in the woods in the Ozarks, you'll hear the sound of death approach. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the last thing he heard before he died was. 
Oh, man. Well, that took a turn. All right. Uh, they say that the Ozark Howler's cry is often described as being a combination of clown laughter and horns. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's a combination of a wolf's howl, an elk's bugle, and the laugh of a hyena. So that would be terrifying. Mix them all up. Yeah. That's a serious mashup right there. It sounds terrifying. Um, But before we can look at the Ozark Howler in more depth or the sightings in more depth, we need to look at the Ozarks a little bit so that we can kind of understand where the the geographical area that the Howler is from and why that may be relevant. Now, the Ozarks, also referred to as the Ozark Mountains or the Ozark Plateau, extend across five states, extend across at least five states, uh, Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Illinois, and some down into other states as it kind of tapers off. You know, it's Mm -hmm. technically not mountains. It becomes foothills and stuff, but it's still part of the Ozark Plateau there. Now, the Ozarks are subdivided into four smaller regions, the Springfield Plateau, the Boston Mountains, Salem Plateau, and St. Francois Mountains. Um, The region enjoys a relatively cool and temperate climate, Um, the fresh mountain air and pristine lakes and rivers, this says. Um, Now, the Ozark region is known for an abundance of sparkling springs, waterfalls, lakes, caverns, caves, and sinks, also known as karstic landforms. So we'll we'll get into that here in a second. But it says, in addition, there are many man-made landmarks, such as the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, Now, the Ozarks represent the largest area of rugged topography between the Appalachians and the Rockies. So if you think when you think of mountains in the United States, you usually think of the Appalachians and the Rockies. But the Ozarks in, in between those two are the biggest landform that we've got. The Boston Mountains in northwest Arkansas feature the highest peaks of the Ozark Mountains, many of which exceed 2000 feet. Some of these mountains, including the tallest mountain in the state of Arkansas, can be found within the Ozark National Forest. This forest spans over a million acres, and among its features beyond the mountains are the Blanchard Springs Caverns and 300 miles of hiking trails. So it's got quite a bit of Mm -hmm. caves and wilderness out there. If you're talking uh, a million acres in just this one forest that's amazing and a lot of people visit the ozarks mm-hmm. i mean lake of the ozarks is a is a huge vacation destination uh for you know really people all over the country but predominantly in the midwest um so it it, it always makes me think when you've got an area that's either heavily populated or heavily visited and you've got a cryptid running around mm-hmm you know, it, it you would think that you would have just a ton of evidence to the existence of something. You would think, yeah. But, you know, as we know with these cryptids, evidence is not exactly what you find. You just find a lot of these eyewitness statements and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's what we're going to get into with the Howler. 
Yeah, most of our episodes, Matt, are anecdotal. I mean, anything paranormal or 410, you don't have much physical evidence of. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why it intrigues me so much. Um, now, this comes from an archaeology site uh, down in our sources. You can find that archaeological site. But I thought this was interesting and we needed to talk about it. it says the Ozarks were formed mainly from erosion. Most mountains are formed from fault lines folding the rocks and pushing them up into mountain ranges. So when the Earth's crust kind of bounces into itself there, it will start to crush in and push up the mountains, right? We learned that Mm -hmm. in school. Mm -hmm. But the Ozarks were formed a different way. They are the result, not primarily of folding and faulting, but of erosion. The rock that formed the Ozarks were originally sand, silt, and the remains of marine animals laid down in a shallow sea at the beginning of the Paleozoic era. That began around 542 million years ago. So that's how old some of this sediment is. Now, these deposits of sediment were put down in layers as the environment and sea levels changed over time. Thus, layers of sand were deposited on top of layers of finer grain silt and in some places the remains of calcium-rich corals and the shells of sea creatures created layers on the seabed. So does that make sense on how it's formed where you've got stuff in the ocean during the Paleozoic era that's just basically laying down sediment? Yeah. Um, Now, as time progressed, this layer cake of sediment turned into rock. It hardened and turned into rock. So the sand layers became sandstone. The silt layers became shale and siltstone. And the shells and coral became limestone. So enough time, you can make rock out of all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, the result was a mostly flat, slightly southward sloping area of interbedded limestone, sandstone, shale, chert, and siltstone. Now, in the late Paleozoic era, the region experienced a broad area of geologic uplift. The elevation was raised, and a large dome-shaped plateau was formed, but the original rock strata, or the layers of it, were not disrupted. So it got pushed up, but stayed there. Same shape that it was in. It didn't make the peaks that we see in the Appalachians. Now, as the uplift took place, the rivers in the region began to erode their stream beds deeply into the layers of mostly flat rock, exposing the strata and bluff faces um, like you can see on the Buffalo River. If you go look on the Buffalo River, it's got, as you're going down, you can see big layers of sediment as the rock changes. So that's Mm -hmm. why you've got these bands of different strata in there. Now, it says this took considerable time, but the result is rather spectacular. And it is. If you look at it, it's pretty cool looking. So this says the Ozarks are not so much a mountain range as a very, very old eroded plateau. The differential rates at which the different layers of rock in the Ozarks eroded led to the creation of step-sided mountains as well as sheer bluff faces. It was this process that gave the region its distinctive flat-topped ridges and narrow hollows. Or hollers, as we'd call them. Mm-hmm. Got them narrow hollers. Now, where rivers create bluff faces out of interbedded rock, 
bluff shelters can be formed. And this is the the big thing that I'm going to touch on here. The way the Ozark Mountains formed makes them an ideal spot for the formation of bluff shelters. The interbedded sandstone and siltstone or shale layers are acted on by water seeping into tiny cracks and spaces in the rock. This causes the different layers to separate where they adjoin each other. Over time, the rock with the smaller particles, the shale and the siltstone, they wear away faster, leading to instability in the architecture of the bluff line, and collapse occurs, and it creates a space in the cliff face, and an overhang is formed. So this overhang is then widened by further erosion and more collapse, which is sometimes called roof fall. Now, the dryness of these shelters made them particularly attractive to people of the region. And many of the shelters in the Ozarks were used by people off and on beginning as early as 10,000 years ago until the 19th century. They are locations that still attract people today, this says. But the dryness of many of these shelters means exceptional preservation of material from the past that usually rot away when exposed to water. So, a lot of archaeological finds are found here. Mm -hmm. Now, in addition to bluff shelters, the limestone in the Ozarks also led to the formation of true caverns through a different process. There is some overlap between caves and shelters, and sometimes cave entrances resemble bluff shelters, and sometimes the collapse of a cave can form a bluff shelter, but both caves and shelters were used by prehistoric Native Americans in the Ozarks in similar ways. Now, one of the reasons I, I brought this up and, and got this information is for us to look at the possibility of these bluff formations and caves being able to hide a large creature like the Ozark Howler and allow it to move between caves and tunnels and remain hidden from people. So, I thought it, it very interesting that where we have a mysterious creature that's not seen often, we also have a ton of these naturally formed caves and shelters that it can hide in. Right. And, you know, for those of y'all that thought, oh, my God, Adam has given us a geology lesson. here," <laughs> the, There's always a method behind the madness. And, it, right. and it's just the the way these mountains were formed and. The, you know, the natural geology of the area led to these, this huge network of caves that are, you know, not only are good for preserving those fossils, but, you know, they were used as, as shelter and living spaces. Right. So, so if, if it's dry and warm enough for a human to inhabit, what about, a, you know, a creature like this? Exactly. And, and if that network is so vast, is it possible that, you know, these creatures could, you know, hide out in these caves for a period of time and not be seen? Yep. Um, Exploit the caves in, to move from one area to another. Or if we're talking, we'll, we'll talk about it in the theories, but if we're talking an ancient creature that has lived, that's how we find other creatures that we thought were extinct is you find these out of the way pockets that are mm -hmm. away from civilization and able to shelter these creatures. And that's where they live. So there's a ton of these in the Ozarks. It's not like they're all going to be on the Buffalo river and you can see into them. You know what I mean? It's right. Yeah. They're, they're out of the way and we, we don't even know about all of them. So 
that makes me think there could be things in these shelters and caves that we've not discovered yet. Mm -hmm. Now, to go on for a minute, um, this is from an Explore Southern History site, and it says, The mysteries of the Ozarks are part of their charm. Folk tales of ghosts, monsters, and strange creatures in the region date back hundreds of years. Now, unlike the well-known Arkansas wild man of the 19th century and the Boggy Creek and White River monsters, which we'll have to talk about the Boggy Creek and White River monsters, but we've talked about wild men before, mm-hmm. so you kind of know where we're going. Um, the Ozark Howler mystery is complicated because eyewitnesses vary widely in their descriptions of what they have seen. Some who claim to have seen the creature describe it as a gigantic cat, bigger even than a cougar. Others describe something far more monstrous, a a massive cat-like beast with glowing eyes and horns protruding from its head. But most do agree that it's black or dark in color. And if you're seeing it at night at a little bit of a distance, you may, it, it could be dark OD green and you'd, you'd say it was a black fur. Yeah. Because Everything dark at night kind of becomes that black, that shade of black. So it says the problem is that wildlife officials maintain there is not a breeding population of cougars left in Arkansas. They do concede that it is possible there might be individual big cats living in the mountains, pointing out they likely were once held as pets but escaped or turned loose by their owners. Now, I, I know that happens. Yeah. But we've talked about this before in other creature sightings. And I don't think you can say these are escaped big cats every time. Yeah, it, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, that escaped big cat. that That's going to be a very, very small percentage. I mean, right. when you consider. um you know, the people that would be able to keep a big cat, you know, there's not very many of them. No. And if it's a zoo, they will have records of it mm. and they will have to report that one was lost or escaped. Unless it's like Joe exotic or something. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) He may not realize one's gotten loose. Um, That's true. But that's only going to cover a very small part. Mm hmm. And, you know, if if the the fish and wildlife uh, is going to say we, we don't have, you know, breed a breeding cougar population in this area. OK, so what is it? Right. Um, you know, right around between 2005 and 2010, there were a ton of sightings. In the in the area, um, you know the the Arkansas area uh, of uh, of the Ozarks, and one in particular was a family that lived just north of Van Buren, Arkansas, who uh, uh, saw something that you know looked out of place. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this doesn't look like it belongs here. So they set up a trail cam. And and actually managed to catch whatever it was, and it looked like a large cougar. But Which, you know, again, if there's not any cougars in that area, yep, 
You know, and that, you know what we're saying is Fish and Wildlife says there's not a population. It's not saying there's not a cougar running around out there. You right. could always have a one-off. Yeah, sure. Okay? It's just saying that of the wildlife that they track and 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 keep record of, a, you know, a large population of cougars isn't there. Right, exactly. Okay. And then, you know, so you say, okay, a lynx or a bobcat. Okay, sure. They're not as big as a cougar. No. Um, and this was this was described as being a large cougar. So, I mean, there there is there is some evidence of something out there. Whether it's cryptid in nature or whether it's an unidentified species or it's just a a larger variation on an animal we already have. Right. Um you know, there, there's not enough of that evidence for, for anyone to pinpoint it. Well, the problem with a lot of these videos, um, when we've looked at the, the large black dogs or large cat sightings in the UK, when you have videos of these things, other scientists or or debunkers will come out and go yeah but see you're filming it at a distance and you can't really judge the size of it so it could be just a bobcat or just a wild feral house cat yeah and you're like no i saw it up against a tree i know how big this thing was but that's the debunking that you'll get from just a far off video of one of these yeah so when i when i looked at this video I, I agree. It looks like a cougar or some type of big cat, but I, I, this is, I have, I have a PSA for anybody that would, would want to get a trail cam to see if there's some type of weird creature. I thought you, you were going to say you had a them. PhD. Sorry. I, I don't have I, a PhD. <laughs> and I, I don't, I don't even have a PSL, but I'm, I'm providing a PSA to say, when you go and buy, the, if, if this is what you want to do, when you go and buy your trail cam, okay, you, you want to get, you want to get one that's worth a dang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to, you know, you don't want to buy the, the bargain bin trail cam. Okay. So they pretty much all are HD now, but mm-hmm. we all know all HD is not equal. Right. Then you get it set up. Because on night vision, man, everything looks horrifying, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You catch yourself on a night vision camera and you're like, what kind of demon just wandered in front of the camera? Oh, it's right. Um, Take take something, a a two by four, you know, a large piece of, you know, wood, anything that you can actually paint tick marks on and numbers, just like what you find on the inside of the door. Uh, of like convenience stores and, mm-hmm. and fast food joints so that they can tell the police how tall the dude that just robbed them was. Right, exactly. So that when said creature comes meandering through the the view of the camera, you have a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. And you can prove it to people. Yeah, and you can say it, it wasn't at a distance. It was right here. And this is how big it was because you can see my... Uh, my gauge right there. And you can even say the gauge was, you know, 25 feet from the, the camera lens. So yeah. that will give you a solid frame 
of how big whatever it is walk by. And, and to me, can, that's like, that's a pretty good idea for if you're just putting it out there to see what kind of deer are roaming around. Yep. You'd be like, oh, we got little ones. Oh, we got big ones. Look at this one. Yeah, you know? exactly. And you can provide that gauge to any anybody wanting to debunk it. You, or you can take a picture of you next to the thing to prove that it's not a tiny little gauge mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you've stuck out there. And let's be clear. I am not a hunter. I love the outdoors. I don't hunt. Okay. I've never owned a trail cam, never really had a reason to have a trail cam. This, this, uh, this, this meter stick or whatever, this, this measuring, uh, stick that I, I said people ought to create, it could very well exist. And y'all like, that's, that's an idiot. You know, you can yeah. buy these at Bass Pro. You might can. I've never seen them. But I'll tell you what else I've never seen. I've never seen trail cam footage of anything that had something like that in the in the right. shot. Right. That's, that's, that's true. <laughs> so my thinking is, is surely after all of the stuff that I've watched looking at this stuff, I would have seen somebody's trail cam footage that had this. Mm-hmm. as a frame of reference uh by now if it was just a consumer product so right i'm right. i'm gonna assume that it's not but if it is just go buy that i don't yeah. care let <laughs> put a frame of reference on this <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to this article here it says researcher lauren coleman and others were able to conclusively point out that some some person using multiple aliases had spread a variety of outlandish stories about the Howler on websites and blogs. So they definitively proved that there was somebody out there spreading false stories, which that kind of sucks as yeah. you're, you're muddying the pool and taking away from any serious sightings. Um, but this, this says, so is the Ozark Howler a hoax? Now yeah. we know that Lauren Coleman seems to think so. Right. He, but, but based on these emails. Right, right. So he's never had an experience with it, but he's just basing it off of what information he's gathered, and he kind of seems to think that it is. But this article says the answer to that question is definitely uh, is a definite combination of yes and no. Some people have undoubtedly been involved in spreading false stories on a large scale, but on the other hand, Others have told stories of big cats in the Ozarks for many, many years. And, you know, this occurred in the 2000s, but I think it's important to say that the stories of the Ozark Howler date back a lot further than that. Yeah. And they're even mentioned in in books written in the 1930s and 40s, like, Tales of the Ozark Howler by Saul Ashton and Hawthorne Cornus, and it was published in 1936 by a small local printer. Now, it was republished in 2018, and it includes folktales and eyewitnesses' accounts of the Ozark Howler. Now, not not only are we talking about sightings that are much older than, than the 2000s, we're talking about the name and publications that talk about it. Right. So it's it's been around a lot longer than just a bunch of emails by some college students playing a prank. There is another interesting reference in uh, 
Laura Ingalls, Laura Ingalls Wilder's book, Little House in the Big Woods, you know, the, the Little House on the Prairie books. Mm-hmm. And in there, she tells a story about her grandfather coming across a large black cat creature. Now, this creature supposedly chased him on horseback through the woods. He was on horseback, not the creature. Um, and it would leap from tree to tree. But it finally jumped overhead and was in front of him. Now, if that story is true, maybe it was the howler or something very similar. Right, right. And it's interesting to me that Laura Ingalls Wilder would have that in a book if there wasn't something really there. Yeah. She's not one that we know of to make uh, make up all these outlandish stories and and crazy fictional sci-fi tales. It, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Now I realize that the Little House on the Prairie books are, you know, autobiographical. You know, these are about her life and growing up. Could she have included some some stories that maybe had been embellished for the sake of telling, uh, you know, making the book better. Um, sure. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, were, could the details have changed a little bit? Absolutely. Um, but would, would she include a story like this? Um, that's supposedly from her grandfather. Um, if it was just completely fabricated, I just don't think so. I don't either. Not not in these books. Right. You know, these books are about her life. I mean, why why would you include a totally fit without saying this was the local legend and tell the story? Um it you know, it, she her her words were this was a story that was conveyed by her grandfather. Right, right. Now, the earliest legend of the Ozark Howler goes all the way back to Daniel Boone. In the early 1800s. Now, supposedly, you know, Daniel Boone was uh, in Missouri, you know, out out hunting, you know, doing Daniel Boone type stuff. And he is supposed he supposedly fired his gun at the Ozark Howler. A Hauser. He he supposedly fired his gun at the Ozark Howler. Uh, in some of the versions of this legend, but there's no evidence that he actually killed anything at, or kept anything as a trophy. You know, he killed a bear when he was only three. You know, remember that? Yep. I mean, I wish he had kept something or if he did keep something, I wish it was still around. Yeah. Because I would love to have not. Personally, I mean, personally, I would love to have it, but I, I would just like there to be the horn of an Ozark Howler somewhere or we could. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it can't be matched to any other like a bull or anything in, in just this weird horn in a museum somewhere. That would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I managed to collect several uh, documented sightings of the Howler that. uh date all the way back to this first one in 
All right, Adam, you know, and I'm, I imagine most of our listeners know by now, that one of my all-time favorite midnight snacks is cereal. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm at an age where I know that I shouldn't get up at midnight and eat a bowl of sugary cereal. It's just not the healthy thing for me to do. Right. But Magic Spoon has changed all that. Now, you know, I'm always trying to watch my carbs, the sugar, the unhealthy food, and cereal was on that list. Mm-hmm. But with Magic Spoon, you can get a healthy breakfast cereal that you don't have to feel guilty about. That's right, because it has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. And only 140 calories per serving. And it's great because whatever diet you're on, you can still eat cereal because it's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. So whatever new diet you're trying out, you can eat this cereal still, which is great because I did the the keto diet for a while. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you did I, that too. I've done it, yeah. And uh, that sucks because you can't have your cereal or anything so uh it, it was it was tough but i didn't have magic spoon back then but i do now so I, I might try it again and the cool thing is you can build your own box of cereals so they have available flavors that you can choose from to build your own box and they are cocoa fruity frosted peanut butter blueberry cinnamon cookies and cream and maple waffle and as I've said before, I, I love that maple waffle. It really does taste like maple syrup with a little bit of that waffle in the back. It's great. Yeah, it, it's my favorite along with the cinnamon um, because my favorite breakfast cereal is a cinnamon-based cereal, and this is a fantastic replacement that's much healthier. Right, it is. Um you know, they say, too, that if you mix the peanut butter and the cocoa together, you get kind of a peanut butter cup flavor, and it's true. So, if you're like me and you like peanut butter cups, that's the way to go. Um, but our listeners can go to magicspoon.com grave to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code GRAVE at checkout. That's G-R-A-V-E. And you can save $5 off your order. Yeah, and Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com grave and use the code GRAVE, G-R-A-V-E, to get $5 off. Hmm. This one, this one is from Red Oak, Oklahoma. Now, this is how this one reads, Um, and it was it was written in first person, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read it like that. It seems that a good number of soldiers were coming back home to try to make a living after the war, and had built some new houses outside of town in order to start their new families. Apparently, something was disturbed when some of the new houses were made, and it. Left re- and it let residents know how upset it was. 
the description was classic Ozark Howler. Tall, at least four feet at the shoulder, thick and shaggy fur, sort of like a thick cat in its build, or perhaps a thin bear with glowing red eyes, not like the yellow or orange reflections you get from a cat's eyes at night. And it That's made a key a, point right there. Right. And it and it made a creepy kind of howling noise, very deep and guttural. Now, some of the old hunters said it reminded them of an elk bugling, but at a lower pitch. So we mentioned that earlier, you know, that elk bugling mashup of, of sounds that make up this howl. Yep. Um but you know, Adam Adam knows quite a bit about you know, eye shine and and the reflection that you see at night uh, with animals. And, you know, it's, you know, this is this is legit. I mean, you're you don't really you don't really yeah. see something like this with red eyes. No, there are some animals that have a red eye shine, but there's nothing that resembles the eyewitness description of its physical form mm. that has red eye shine. So you're right. you're like putting two different animals together. Now, it's possible unlikely but possible that there is a known creature whose eyes are messed up in some way that the reflection of the eyes becomes a reddish tint maybe goes from orange that it normally is to red, but that's unlikely that something wrong with the eyes would change the way their eyes reflect the light back to you. Yeah. Now in the 1950s, residents report reported seeing a black goat shaped creature roaming in the Ozark forest. And, and no, this that's is, weird. This is the first one I've, I've seen that, um, Described it as anything hooved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, goat, elk, deer, anything with hooves, you don't, you don't usually see that. So this one from the fifties, it may be, may have been something else. And in 1980, a truck driver who had pulled off the side of the road for the night described what he saw as a big cat like creature with a long tail shaggy fur, stocky build, a beard, and again, red eyes. A beard? Yeah. What kind That's of beard? Weird. Yeah. Like a, a Billy Goat's beard or something? Yeah, maybe. That's that's all I can I could come up with. Or like maybe a mane of some sort that you didn't see the top part of the mane? Yeah. Yeah, that I mean that's a possibility too. But you know, if you if you look up images like artist rendering of the Ozark the Ozark Howler, that it's it's off the charts as far as what this thing would look like. I mean, I've seen drawings that look like look like a bear. I mean, it just looks like a bear, or it looks like a cross between a bear and a and a mountain lion, something like that. Um, but then there's some. That it looks like a a Dungeons and Dragons creature. I mean it. Yeah. It's almost. Yeah. It's almost upright. 
the face is much more human in nature. Of course, you've got these big horns, and the beard is what made me kind of trigger in on that that series of of uh, of artwork where it 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 almost has a humanoid appearance. Mm-hmm. There there is a substantial beard that is affiliated with it. Um, of course, those big horns too. Like I said, it looked looks like something out of Dungeons and Dragons, you know. Yeah, there was one picture that I saw that it looked like a bear with a like you said, almost a humanoid type looking face walking on all fours, and it had like lynx ears mm-hmm. and then goat horns that or ram's horns that kind of like curled curved. around. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, I haven't seen that. It's been straight like bull horns, but coming up from the top of the head. Yeah. Now, here's why in, in 2004, um, this is one we referenced earlier. It's in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And this is, um, I, f- I first heard reasonable eyewitnesses talk about the Arkansas Howler in 2004 when I was living in Fort Smith, Arkansas, several people that I talked to who had seen or heard it or found its prints, which you don't see a lot of, uh, did not believe it to be a real monster, but instead thought that a mountain lion or cougar was loose in the Boston mountains that stretched between Fort Smith and Van Buren on the south and and the booming northwest Arkansas corridor. So we this is the one these folks had the trail camera set up. This is what sparked yeah. my trail camera PSA. Yeah. Um and of course, you know, we know how that played out. Um where you know, the fish and wildlife folks said eh, there's really not a lot of that going on here. There's we don't they don't have a population of cougars. Um Right. You know, right in this area in the Ozarks. All right, so this next one is from April of 2006 in Oregon County, Missouri. Now, this one uh, this one says, A friend of mine got up very early in the morning, about 4.30 a.m., and when he went outside, he noticed his livestock were very frightened and had huddled in a cluster in the corner of the fence by his house. He had some binoculars, so he took a look in the direction from which they had run. He said what he saw looked like a big black panther. He quickly changed his mind when he began walking down to his field and saw the thing running along his fence line. He said it had very long ears or horns and was black with thick fur. It had a long tail like a cat, but it looked like a mix between a cat and a dog. It was broad and about as big as a Great Dane. And it had eerie reddish eyes that gave him chills. There is no reason for him to make up such a story. And he was very shaken up after the sighting. And and again, it says this was in Oregon County, Missouri. So here's a situation where this guy actually had a frame of reference. He had his fence. Yeah. Um, So that allowed him to not only see, um, you know, uh, the size of of the creature. but I, you know, he didn't mention it. But I thought, you know, this would this would give you an idea of like speed, gait, you know, those kind of things. If you've got a reference as as good as a fence, because um, you can see things, you know, highlighted in front of the fence, 
Um, so it, it would give you a lot more detail than you would expect. Um, but to, to say it's as big as a Great Dane, that's that's a that's pretty large. That yeah, that's a big animal. All right, so in two thousand nine, this one just says Arkansas. It says a ranger on duty at a remote Arkansas station told a reporter that she believed Ozark howlers were real. In fact, she had recently seen one. It was late at night and something big and black darted out in front of my vehicle, she said. I stopped to get a closer look and couldn't believe what I saw, a huge black panther. It snarled at me before it disappeared into the woods. Although the ranger reported the incident to her superiors, she said that the Arkansas Fish and Game Department refused to acknowledge the existence of the creatures because no one had ever caught one or recovered a carcass. Despite reportedly hundreds of sightings, the Arkansas Fish and Game Department state that the legendary Ozark Howlers were, quote, pet panthers and had escaped captivity. All right. So we talked about this earlier. How many pet panthers do people have? Right, right. For there to be hundreds of sightings. Mm-hmm. And, and furthermore, why hadn't anybody shot one? I mean, why, yeah, right. hadn't, why hadn't, a, you know, somebody out on a camping trip or somebody, you know, just camping in the uh, uh, a hunting trip just seen one and said, that ain't supposed to be here. It's a panther. We might yep. ought to shoot it. And, and you know, it, whether they were allowed to or not, somebody probably would have. Oh, yeah. Some somebody would have taken a shot at one, I would think. And then and then, you know, found a game warden and said, look at this. This is mm-hmm. this is a panther that's yep. roaming through the Ozarks. What if there's yep. more out there? And then this just say dangerous. it was attacking me, so I had to kill it. <laughs> that's right. Oh. Um, or, you know, hey, I was afraid it was gonna attack. It it looked like it was whatever. Yeah. Um that hadn't happened. No. Because I don't believe that there are more than one pet panther in the Ozarks, if there's any at all, right? Or, or would have been in 2009. Um, you know, the the thing is, is is these these animals they're not easy to keep, and most likely you're you're gonna know if there's somebody, if there's a private individual that has, you know, any type of big cat as a pet. Mm-hmm. And I know in Tennessee, you can have them as pets, but the way, you know, the, your, your house has to be laid out. You have to have fencing that's certain height. You have to have all these security precautions to keep this thing from getting loose and, you know, killing dogs and children and whatever yep. else. Um, and I would imagine, you know, as, as recent as 2009, every state has got some type of regulation on keeping a big cat. Oh, yeah. Yep. Texas, though, um, there there are more big cats housed in Texas than anywhere else in the world. And I saw some statistic that there was more, I think, tigers kept in cat- captivity in Texas than there are in yeah. the wild. Yeah, you, but, you watched Tiger King, didn't you? 
No, I never did. I never did. I'm not cool enough to watch that. So, well, what the cool thing about for me, the cool thing about Tiger King was I listened to the podcast before it was ever a show. Oh, nice. You know, nice. so I had already heard the story on the podcast when it was published. Um, and then to get to actually see these outlandish characters, you know, on the screen was something else, but they, they also make that, make that statement about there being, yeah. there being more, more big cats in captivity, or is it just specifically tigers, um, than anywhere yeah, else in the world? Tigers. Yeah. You know, because I mean, you know, we got, we got mountain lions and, and stuff native to North America. We don't have tigers. Right. Right. Now, before you get back into it, Matt, I wanted to bring this up before somebody corrects me on what I said a minute ago. I pulled up one of my my lists of eye shine colors. Yep. And because I got one saved here so I can identify things at night. Now, we have talked about panthers, bobcats, coyotes, mountain lions. Now, all of those naturally have yellow eye shine. That's their natural color. Now, there is one animal that um, in that area that could possibly be mistaken for the howler that does have red eye shine. And black bear do have red eye shine sometimes. And I did not remember that. Yeah. Okay. so black bear possibly could have, but you're also looking at things like a red fox, um, a, a porcupine and rabbits and stuff, which yeah. none of those are going to be. I mean, seals do, too, but we're not going to have a seal in the Ozarks. <laughs> um, no, we might. Because remember, you know, the 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 seals that would play those horns, you know. Oh, burr, yeah, burr, burr. that makes sense now. <laughs> The the Ozark Howler seal with his little uh with his little uh-huh. horn thing that he can play yep. uh, hot cross buns on. <laughs> yeah, that that's it. The Ozark Howler for years has been an escaped seal. It did escape, so we got to retract that statement. But it was not a cat; it was a seal. And he hops. You hear as he flopping through the underbrush, and then. You ever heard uh you ever heard a seal though kind of bark? Mm-hmm. You know? It it's not really like a it's kind of a cross between a a regular, you know, dog bark and like a hound dog bark. Yeah. Like that that yelp and bark at the same time. Yep. Uh yeah, so we've well well, you know, let's just end it right here. We figured it out. It's a seal. All right. Ozark <laughs> Howler's a seal. Episode done. I'm leaving. <laughs> Oh, uh, but yeah, but okay. So, but all, in all seriousness, a bear, um, being you know, a bear being misidentified, and people suspecting that it could be a howler or some unknown creature, um, I can see that. I can see that, sure. especially especially a black bear, yep. um, because they're not uh, black bears aren't. Uh, they're not very aggressive towards humans unless they're threatened. Yeah. You know, and, and the likelihood that there's a, a pretty decent population of black bears in the Ozark mountains is I'd say pretty high. Yep. Um, 
They're definitely in the Appalachians. So yeah, but you know they're not. I mean, you know they they tell you when you when you go like we you go to Gatlinburg. You know we stay in a in a cabin up there. Um, they'll tell you. You know yep. uh, if you know a black bear. You know may wander down, and um, that's why you got to have a lock on your trash and everything because it'll attract them. And yep. you know we I've seen it firsthand. You know. Oh, me too. Uh, I I got up uh, early one morning in Gatlinburg to take my Jack Russell out, and thankfully I looked because there was a mama black bear and two of her cubs. Yeah. And my Jack Russell Terrier would have gone straight for it because she mm-hmm. thought she could take on any any size. Now, I did look up. Uh, black bears in the Ozarks, and it says that black bear primarily inhabit the Ozark region of southern Missouri. Okay. There have also been some sightings in the northern part of the state. Um, so there are some, um, but they're in the Missouri, southern Missouri part of the Ozarks mainly. Yeah, but again, there's always an opportunity for a one-off. Sure. Um, you know, one travels a little bit. They have a wide range. Yeah. All right. So now this next one, it it says date unknown, but it's from Hot Springs, Arkansas. And this one says last year around New Year's, I was driving home after a party and I was going around this curve, which is really tight. And especially at night after a party. If you, he says, if you know what I mean. And I'm like, man. Number one, don't Tell me about don't it. don't drink and drive. Number two, that's gonna throw some shade on your uh, your uh, eyewitness account, right? But nonetheless, right. um, he he caught this creature in his headlights. He says, "I didn't see a whole lot, but the one thing I did notice that it had a big, long, thick tail. At first, I thought it was a bear, but then I thought, do bears have big tails?" He says he couldn't remember, but then remembered that they don't. He said, "Yeah, no." He was he was confused, a little scared, and he said he he started his car back up and he went on home. Um, you know, again, you know, it 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 really sounds more like a big cat instead of a bear. Now, this one also date unknown is from Johnson County, Arkansas. It says an animal spotted walking along a dry stream bed in Johnson County, Arkansas, about five miles to the east of Catalpa, Arkansas. About seven feet long and almost four feet tall at the shoulder, it was observed walking out of a thicket on the far side of the small valley, took a drink from a puddle, and then disappeared. Hmm. You're just a thirsty howler. Now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one. I'm gonna default back to one of my uh one of my go-to arguments. People that live in these areas, people that frequent these areas, yep. especially hunters and campers and hikers, they know what's out there. They have seen it. They know what to be on alert for. They know what's not gonna be a problem. They can identify this wildlife. And they can identify bear and stuff, night vision trail cams, just by the outline of the creature. So, you know, for all of these folks to be like, 
this is what I saw, and I got no idea what it is. That really makes me think that it's some type of creature that is either not native to that area that has managed to survive over over the 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 decades mm-hmm. and whether it's in and out of these caves or whatever it's something that's unfamiliar to the locals yep you know they're just they're not sure what it is and I think that's where the legends just keep growing is when you've got local people that say, we've seen this thing and we can't identify it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know what everything else looks like and we've seen them all at night, but we see this thing and we don't know what it is. Now, this one comes from Jasper, Arkansas. It says, I have seen this creature very close to Jasper, Arkansas. I have lived in the Arkansas Ozarks for over 20 years. I never knew what it was until recently doing research, and I do believe I know where they are. So I, had a, I, had, I first had a visual sight of one off Highway 65 on Highway 265 headed towards Welcome Home. When I saw it, I couldn't believe my eyes. I had never seen anything like it. What shocked me the most and what was the most memorable were the horns coming out of its forehead much very much cat-like but it was its face with the with its horns that really shocked me said i drove as if in shock from a car crash not uh, he's saying okay he's saying i drove as if in shock from a car crash not believing what i saw he's he's liking this likening Ah. this at to having passed a car crash you're like oh my god and you're kind of in shock but he said he started doing some research on the subject. He said, for over 10 years in a remote region close to Mountain View, said, you can hear the howl every single night, usually after midnight. said, I never knew it until I did the research. It is very elk-like, almost like a horn, but definitely a howl. He said, if anyone is brave enough, I can show you where exactly to go hear this and where I made visual contact. Let me know. I'll be yeah. there. I mean, you know, that's fantastic. Um, but again, here here is a a 20-year resident. Yep. And then all of a sudden, he sees something that he cannot explain. Yep. And it coincides with a lot of the stories that have been reported over the years. And I get it. A lot of people say, well, you know, you hear these stories, you hear these stories. And then you see something, and then those stories are what crops up in your head. Well, yeah, I think it may have had horns. Did you really see horns? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But I had horns in my head because I know these stories of the Ozark Howler. But this guy kind of kind of lends you to believe that he had heard the stories, but he had not done the research, so he wasn't really up on all the details. Right. So he may have been looking at this with a little bit fresher eyes. I don't know, but I, I just got to think that, like I said, it, people that live in this area, they're going to know what they're looking at. And when they see something they can't identify, then they, it gets reported. And this is how these things, you know, flourish. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I hate the argument of telling someone who has lived somewhere for so long 
and knows the outdoors that they didn't see what they thought they saw. That's right. They, you you are not as smart as I am who was not there and hasn't lived in that area at all, but I'm super smart and you're dumb and you mistook <laughs> you all you saw was a little rabbit and you were freaked out and you heard these stories and you're dumb and you mistook it for the Ozark Howler. I don't like that. Yeah. It I bring out my country uh side my Texas in me. You going to tell me some city boy going to sit up there and tell me what I did and didn't see in my own backyard? Right. So this one I, this is this is the last one we're going to cover and it's a, it's a long one. Um but it was too good not not to use. So I'm going to read this out just like this guy wrote it. I should preface with two things. Number one, my father is one of the most rock solid people I know and does not often show fear. His voice was trembling when he told me his account, his account of this encounter. Number two, I have traveled extensively through the United States, 44 states with the exclusion of Wisconsin, Hawaii, Michigan, North Carolina, and South Carolina. I live in Alaska and was a trek guide for the rock in the Rockies. I know why I was about animals. to sorry, I was about to say he hasn't been to South Carolina, but he's been to Alaska. And then you said, <laughs> Hey, I live in Alaska. And I was like, Okay, okay. That's makes right. Sense. That's right. You know. But anyway, he says, I live I lived in Alaska and was a trek guide in the Rockies. I know wild animals and have had encounters with mountain lions, bears, moose, and every kind of small game. But nothing has left me in terror uh, like what I encountered um, in the woods of my home, in my home state of Missouri. I know the Ozark Hauser was pronounced fake, an elaborate hoax by a college kid, uh, if I remember correctly. I don't know what to call the thing my father described, so it's the howler to me. Missouri, the Ozarks in particular, is historically rich and is a historically rich and beautiful place. Mountains in the southeast give way to river valleys in the southwest where I live. Our farm was 120 acres of woods and rolling fields. A large creek that would flood in the spring but run quietly the rest of the year bisected it. Being relatively poor, we lived in a 100-plus-year-old farmhouse that had its own list of strange occurrences, but creaks and groans were expected from something that old, so most of it was written off. Yeah. And since we were poor, we we subsisted off venison, deer meat. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time in the woods tracking and preparing game stands and watching for poachers. However, the woods took an odd atmosphere the summer before my 16th birthday. He said, most people avoid the woods in Missouri through the spring and summer due to ticks, chiggers, and snakes. He says, I love the woods. I would purposefully look for snakes, and for some reason, ticks and chiggers seem to leave me alone. Lucky man right no there, kidding. I tell you yeah. what. I still remember that summer. It was rainier than most, 
usually we'd get a deluge in the spring and then maybe a rainstorm once or twice a month in the summer. But that season, it seemed to rain every day. The woods were darker and cooler in the day due to this. And they were beautiful, too. Thick carpets of moss covered the hills, and long, thin fingers of grass would shoot up through it. In the southern portion of the woods, there was an old pickup truck that had been burned up in the 50s. It was normally rusty and bare, but this year, it too had grown a covering of moss. A couple trees had grown up through it over the years, and the story goes that moonshiners had been brewing out there when a bad batch blew up and killed a few of them. Said, uh, this is the hill country, so that's not hard to believe. Yep, exactly. This guy says, I used the pickup truck as a marker while I was tracking. One day after starting at the northern end, which was a large thicket of cedar trees, then working my, my way south to the pickup truck, I began getting the hunter's instinct of being watched. This is normal for me. It's a good indicator that something's out there, either A, trying to avoid you, or B, trying to stalk you. He said, it's time to stop, take account of the situation, and begin counter-stalking. This was later in the day after a rainstorm, so fog was moving in. I ducked behind the truck slowly to avoid spooking what I hoped was a nice buck. There had been so few deer on our land that year, I looked through the rusty window towards the direction that I thought my future kill was. There was nothing. He said, absolutely nothing. But still, I had the feeling of being watched, more intense than I had ever felt it. The only thing I could liken it to was when I was doing mountain treks in Wyoming. I felt the hair on my neck stand on end while I was going around a glacial lake, and my mind said, there it is, turn around. And when I did, there was the tail of a mountain lion, lion slinking into the bushes. I said, I trusted my senses then and now, and here I was on home ground feeling like 10 lines were around me. said, I stayed put until I felt there was nothing there and then chalked it up to jitters. The woods felt different because of the extra rain. As I left the woods and crossed through the fog near the creek, I felt it again. Not as intense, but again, in my mind, it called out, there it is, turn around. At the edge of the woods was a man dressed in dark mechanics pants and red and green flannel jacket. Poachers were a problem for a poor family. We hunted to support not only ourselves, but others that couldn't afford to buy meat regularly. So I began walking up to confront him. He turned and made for the woods. He made it to the fog bank at the forest edge, and I yelled out for him to stop. He kept walking and just seemed to dissipate in the fog the further he got into it. By the time I caught up to where I last saw him, there was nothing, no tracks, no disturbed foliage, nothing. I always thought it was odd that somebody would wear flannel in the summer. Mm -hmm. When I returned home, my mother told me that she had received calls from the neighbors. One to the north of us reported a wounded horse and a mutilated goat. The other to the south reported two calves and a cow dead and mutilated. I went to see the neighbor with the horse. It had four long claw marks on either side of its rear haunches, like something had stalked up and tried to drag it down from behind. 
it reminded me of watching lions take down zebras on Discovery Channel. That's what popped into my head, yeah. Mm-hmm. The summer continued, and odd occurrences continued to happen in the woods. Neighbors all around us reported dead dogs, cats, small farm animals, and the occasional cow, all mutilated and chewed up. That constant feeling of being watched. said, I usually only carry a rifle in hunting season, but I started carrying one constantly later that summer. When fall hit, I turned 16 and things got worse. Tracks started showing up on our neighbor's land that representatives from Fish and Game swore were grizzly bears. The only bears in Missouri are black bears and all in the southeast side near the mountains and swamps. Tracks showed up on our land too. Two big sets, front and back. The front seemed to be long like a dog, but wide near the front like a cat. And no claw marks told me that if... If it did have claws, then they were retracted. The rear paw marks were wider, like the animal had massive rear legs for pouncing and the paws to support it. Still, I kept stalking, kept tracking, kept watching. About three weeks before hunting season, I went out early one morning to drop some apples for the deer and check for fresh tracks. Like the day where I ran into the man in flannel, I stared. I started at the north end in the cedar thicket and moved south. The cedar thicket has always made me nervous, but since that day, I've avoided it altogether. Tall, dark cedar trees, close enough. If you stand up straight, you can't see through the lower boughs. You have to bend at the waist and walk through crouched. The lowest boughs are dead from not receiving sunlight and smack you in the face if you're not careful. Says, I bent over and began walking through the cedars and my mind said, there it is, turn around. I looked left to the east and near a patch of cedars was a freshly killed deer. The thing behind it was huge and black, crouched on all fours, and like some kind of big cat, but with big yellow eyes, bigger than I've ever seen, and a thick shaggy mane that flowed from just behind its head to the middle of its back. It wasn't a lion, a cougar, a bear. I've never seen it since. I began walking sideways, determined not to take my eyes off of it. With each of my steps, a guttural purr came from it. The purr would start low like a growl and then end on a high note. I slowly moved my rifle from the sling to my shoulder so I could pull up quick and shoot if I needed to. It was so big, I don't know if I would have done any damage. It didn't move, though. I kept moving sideways until I was at an angle from it and then backed up and out of the thicket. I stayed bent so I could look at it until I moved out of sight It just laid there and turned its massive head. He said, as I got out of eyesight, I began to hear movement from the direction I'd just come and the intense feeling of being watched. It was stalking me now. Here I was, 16 years old, probably going to die. They'd find me later, or part of me, gnawed on with giant claw marks through my body. 
All right, so if you've listened to Graveyard Tales for any length of time, then you know Matt and I are obsessed with Best Fiends. And we play it all the time. Play it anywhere we go. If we got some downtime, we play it. But I'll tell you what, one thing I've noticed is Best Fiends is really good during the holidays because it can help give you a mental break from any holiday stress you've got or you know if you're hanging out with family members that you're not too enthused about hanging out with just pull up best fiends and start playing while you're sitting there and you don't even have to listen to them you can just delve into best fiends and ignore them and and who who has been on a holiday uh event and had no wi-fi you're you're at grandma's house and even if she had wi-fi it, it, it moves like she does. Somehow she's know? still got dial-up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You don't have to have Wi-Fi or cellular data to play Best Fiends. And that's one of my favorite features is that you can play it, like Adam said, anytime, anywhere. Okay? Now, Amanda, she wears me out on, on this game. I, I can't keep up with her. You know, I... Yeah. I finally beat a level and i'm like hey look i beat this level and then she's like she's beat 10 levels since i started this one yeah she beat it a month ago (laughs) yeah yeah so you know it's but it's fun and and i keep trying you know i know i was like i'm gonna catch up to you one of these days um she just laughs and keeps playing (laughs) and and with the way they add new levels it's it's never it's never ending. I mean, she's going to be able to continue to pick up new levels and new levels and keep going. Um, and and all the, the the special events, you know, are a lot of fun. They change up the regular gameplay a little bit, and you you, you get some new things to do and work on. So, Graveyard Tells listeners can go and download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. That's right. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Now, that that was a long story, and I included it all because it, it was so good for so many reasons, but this guy really gives you his background as to he knew what was going on. Yep. yep. You know, he had he had hunted in those woods. He had been up and down those mountains. He had a lot of experience um, with wild animals. And for him to be able to, you know, track this thing and actually find it. Yep. And, and and the details he gives on the the back paws and right and the retractable claws and everything that that's that's some detail. I mean it's it's just it's fascinating. And the creature he describes is not something that you know I'm familiar with. Obviously it wasn't nope. anything he was familiar with. Now his story goes on where he uh, he he goes on at where he tried to track it, maybe even get a shot off, um, but you know nothing. You know the thing didn't chase him; it didn't follow him out. Um, but he finishes his story with this: 
I don't expect you to believe this, but a few things struck me while I was writing this. One, I feel the fear even today, and I've had to wipe away tears more than a few times to get through this. Two, the man in flannel was wearing the same thing the second time I saw him when he was guiding me out of the woods. Moonshiners, even the dead ones, know the woods better than anyone. Mm-hmm. So he kind of has this idea that um, this this person in this flannel shirt was some kind of uh, helpful spirit. spirit. Yeah. You know, get getting him away. Very well could be. So what do you guys think? I mean, we've, we've presented a lot of stories tonight, probably more than we do for other things, especially cryptids. Um, is it possible? I mean, is it really possible that there has been something that lives in the Ozarks that could be the howler? I mean, I think, I think it's reasonable. I mean, I, I understand the hoaxes. I mean, you're going to have that with anything mm-hmm. like this. But all of these eyewitnesses for years, you know, not just recently, not just in the 2000s, you know, they're documented stories that, that seem, seem to relate a large black cat-like creature in that area, um, you know, documented in, in literature, you know, documented maybe anecdotally, historically, if that's a thing, with Daniel Boone. And then all these reported sightings of this thing, it, it just, it, it, I don't know that it's something that we would consider like a cryptid, Adam. I, I don't know that it's, it's some kind of mythical beast. There, yeah. there have been people that compare it to like, uh, the black dogs in, uh, in, in the UK, the, the black right, dog right. sightings, um, you know, that it may be an omen of death. Um, they, uh, you know, something I even spectral. Yeah. I even found an article where they, uh, they mentioned Black Shuck by name. Um, you know, the Bean She, the Koo She, the Kuna Noon, which Adam and I think we, we've discussed before, possibly in our Black mm-hmm. Dog episode. Um, but we, we knew that name, and, you know, and that's Welsh. Um, but there are, there are I- Irish names, um, Scottish names. And this area had settlers from all of those areas in the 1800s. So there's a lot of people that believe that these legends just, they came to this region in the Ozarks because of these folks, you know, those legends traveled with them, but there's so many sightings for this to just be legend. Legend. Yeah. Right. I, I honestly, Matt, I, I think to me that if, Obviously, we will have some misidentified creatures. That's always going to happen. Um, and, and we'll have some, like you said, hoaxes and people making stuff up. That's going to happen as well. 
but with the vast number of sightings and the different types of people from different backgrounds that have seen it and had an experience with it, I feel like there's something. I I don't know if I I don't know if it's like you said an omen um or something spectral along those lines if it's something like we've talked several times before about other creatures something from an, another universe mm-hmm. that has wormed its way over here somehow or if it is an ancient creature that has a tiny population in the Ozark somewhere hiding in these shelters and caves and stuff and the vast acreage of these national parks and everything that has just somehow survived through time. I, I kind of tend to go that route, I think. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, I think I would go some ancient creature that has just because it has the proportions of these creatures that we hear about the excessively large body. Yeah, I I don't know about the horns thing. I don't that's, know where that falls into it. That's but, what I was about to know. say. I I think maybe it's possible that the horns are, you know, it. Cats, even big cats, have different shaped ears. And if you look yeah. at like a lynx or a bobcat, you know, their ears are very pointed. You know, they kind of stick out a little bit more to the mm-hmm. side. That's what I was thinking. In a in a in a cat that was that much larger than a lynx or a bobcat, proportionally the ears would be longer too. Um, and if they were pointed yeah, I mean, at a distance, you might mistake those type of ears as horns. Yep. Um, because the the horns is the one th- it doesn't fit for me. I just no. I'm just kind of like no. when we add horns to it, it, it goes back to a Dungeons and Dragons thing. It's like the the ancient Greek legends of these hybrid animals. Yeah. Where you've got. Yeah. The horns of the, or even the Egyptians, mm-hmm. where you've got like a hippopotamus with a alligator head. Yeah. Or something. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit our natural, yeah. what we think of the natural world. Yeah. That, that, that kind of turns it into some kind of chimera. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I like that idea for this. I mean, for other things, I'm like, yeah, sure, it's got horns. You know, it's purple, whatever. Um, One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple (laughs) people eater. But for this, I I mean, as so many sightings, I I just, I think there's something there. I I think there is something there. Mm -hmm. It's not something we've identified. It's it's an animal of some type, Um, but it's been around a long time. I mean, I'm not saying, it may not be prehistoric, you know, like, you know, we're we're thinking that something something has survived for all these centuries, but it's definitely something old. Um, yep. You know, that's just learned to adapt to this environment, and you know, stay out of sight for the most part. You know, especially if it's using those caves for shelter. Yep. And I like your idea that the horns could be 
ears because I, I was beginning to think that as well. Mm-hmm. That what if it's just large ears yeah. because it being a predator and it's hunting things in the woods, it needs to hear. And as we, you probably know, I, I, everybody probably doesn't know this, but in the woods, sound is muffled mm-hmm. because of the dense canopy and and the the foliage and everything on the ground. And it's not going to echo like it would in more rocky areas. So sound is muffled and maybe it needs larger ears to hunt in these woods mm-hmm. to catch the sound. I don't know. Just a weird thought that I had, but I like the idea of them being large ears that that has been mistaken for horns over the years, but that there is something old living there. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us what you think. Um, I'm sure we've got listeners uh, in and around the Ozarks um, that have probably heard stories of the Ozark Howler, maybe even have, some uh, personal experience uh, with it, let us know. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Uh, You can log into Facebook, search Graveyard Tales, and you'll find us. It's one of the, in my opinion, one of the best groups on the internet uh, right now. Um, It's a safe place for you to share stories like this. You won't be made fun of. We just all want to hear these amazing stories. And then you can head over to uh, Instagram or Twitter. Uh, we're on both, uh, both of those platforms. And then you can check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And on our site, you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And we thank everyone for uh, donating their hard-earned money to help Adam and I continue this show and and keep it at the quality that we want to provide to all of our listeners. So for the Ozark Howler, (laughs) we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 